Hey, aloha, everybody. Welcome, tribe. It is great to have you with us. We are inside the house today. It's a little rainy and, and uh, wet outside here in Hawaii, but it's probably not as rainy and wet as it is in Ireland today. Michael, how are we doing? What's going on on, on my other island? Jeff, it's, it's good. It's so good because it looks like Leeds are going to get relegated. So uh, we're just sitting here watching it now. I, I know, I know you're a big Leeds fan. And I wanted to you know, celebrate this last show before they go down with you live. Uh, I, I, I know you'll be getting up early on Sunday morning to watch it. Yeah, 5 a.m. I, I told you what, you're amazing. Like 15 seconds into the show and you're taking the mickey out of me about Leeds. It's unbelievable. I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't quit, right? Listen, how did it look in the 70th minute against Brighton when we were down one nothing? And we had that heroic goal to give us give us a chance this weekend. So yes, I am going to be up at five o'clock watching it on Sunday morning. So, but this is an NFL show, Mike. This is a football show. So <laughs> let's get to the other kind of football because we are waving the flag for America's game and a game that is rapidly becoming the world's game. Um, NFL news. I, I, a couple of things that are new, noteworthy. I thought a lot of Giants news today. Uh, interestingly enough. Uh, some of it's no news, but big news. I think, I don't know if you saw this, Mike, but uh, Brian Dable said he wants Daniel Jones to, quote, turn it loose, right? Just turn it loose. I think if I'm a Giants fan, that's the best thing I've heard in a month because when that kid gets the opportunity to not worry about throwing interceptions to not worry about making bad mistakes to just play the game much like Dable did with Josh Allen right when Josh Allen came into the league there was so many questions about his accuracy and this and that and I was one of the ones that was leading the you know leading the questions but when he when he got the ability to just go make plays whether it was with his feet or with his arm he took off as a player and I think that's great news for Daniel Jones, certainly, and for Giants fans, that this is the approach they're going to take now in, in with the Big Blue. It's it's a very interesting offseason in, in New York. I mean, they found the Messiah in, in Kevin Fibido, and you know, it's it's been it's been a great time for them. I remain to be convinced about Daniel Jones. I I just know, like I. I, I I understand he has to be given this year, and who knows he could he could go out and maybe he could ball out, but I just can't see it. I can't see it, especially with what Philadelphia have done over the last few weeks. I I, I think the, the the Eagles and the Cowboys are so far ahead of that Giants team for me. I just don't see how they're even going to get started in the NFC East. But do I think Daniel Jones will be in New York next year? I personally don't. But now that I've said that, you can quote this and screen record this and show it to me when he when he wins the MVP this year. All right. Hey, I don't think he's winning the MVP, buddy, but I think he's going to play much better. Uh, also, Giants news. Um, you talked about what the Eagles have done. The Eagles went up and pilfered a really good player from the Giants. James Bradbury, the cornerback, going to the Eagles. Uh, I think that's really a good move for the Eagles, helps solidify you know, what will be a young secondary, and I think – a big-time move. It's going to hurt the Giants a little bit, but I think the Giants are, know they're in a rebuilding mode, and this is an opportunity for them. Uh, you know, every time a guy leaves, every time a guy gets cut, every time there's a there's a change in the uh, on the roster, it's somebody else's opportunity, and certainly somebody will step in. James Bradbury going to Philadelphia, uh, a big-time move for the Eagles. Thomas McGahey, a friend of our show, 
and uh, you know, friend of mine at the special teams coach for the New York Giants will be attending the NFL Diversity Symposium. This is a situation that the NFL has started this year to bring in 60 of the what they feel are the hottest uh, candidates, minority candidates for either GM or head coaching positions in the National Football League, bringing them all together next week at the owners meetings in Florida. And they'll have an intensive training session trying to work with them to help them interview to get, you know, go from being a prospective head coach to being a head coach. Again, for Thomas, it's a great opportunity. He certainly deserves it. He's been a tremendous coach in the National Football League for a long time, played in the league, and uh, I'm happy for him. And it'll be fun to have him on the show after this, after the symposium, and hear what he has to say. Yeah, it's the front, the front office accelerator program taking place next week in Atlanta. Very, very best of luck to him. Uh, looking forward to seeing the, I guess the the, the reaction and and the what's going to hopefully be many benefits from that, Jeff. And that should be a really really interesting conversation. Uh, the, the one thing I will say before we bring our first guest on, James Bradbury, uh, seven interceptions in two years, 101 tackles, but they've picked up AJ Brown, Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick, Nicobe Dean, obviously from the draft, and James Bradbury in the last month alone. That's unbelievable. So if they can get it going on the offense, it's it's a home run, surely. Well, I, I don't know if it's a home run because there's nothing guaranteed except adversity and change in the NFL. But I will tell you this. Certainly when you take those names, you're talking about guys that have played at a very high level. You know, Hassan Reddick, when he's used properly, is an outstanding pass rusher. You, you talk about Bradbury, seven interceptions in two years. That's pretty good. Now, when you look at the offense, it still remains to be seen. Now, they've gone out and helped, right? But uh, it all comes down, as we know, every week we talk about this, it comes down to the quarterback position. And is Jalen Hurts ready to take that next step, right? That's the question. That's why right now, if you just look at it, I think in that division, you've got question marks at quarterback in Washington, question marks at quarterback in Philadelphia, question marks at quarterback in New York. The only place where there aren't questions, Dallas. And I, and that's why even though Dallas, I don't think has had a particularly great offseason, I still think that defense is getting better and will continue to carry them. And that Dak Prescott will be the difference when you look at the at the end of the season. So I'd, I'd say if I was picking right now, I'd say the Cowboys would win the East. But that's just me. Um, <clears throat> another one that was this is news, but no news, but it's good news. You know, as you look at it, Joe Burrow said that he has firmly placed the Super Bowl loss in his rearview mirror. He's buried it, and he's gone on and learned from it. That's maturity. That's one of the reasons why I think this kid is so, you know, so ready to be the next one, the next, you know, talking about the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning kind of guy, because he has such great maturity for a young kid. Part of that, because his dad coached in pro football. He's been around high-level football his whole life. He gets it, right? Now, the thing that he did say that I thought was really interesting too, Michael, he said he feels like the Bengals now know that they're good enough to win a Super Bowl because they've gotten to that point. Interestingly, for a number of years, there was a phenomenon that the first time you went to the Super Bowl, you never won. Almost every team that went there for the first time lost and then had to come back to win. And you look at that and, you know, they've crossed that hurdle. Now, the question will be, you know, you got pretty good safety that's saying he's not going to play on the franchise tag. 
So it's not done yet. This this offseason never ends. I I'm intrigued to see what the Bengals will do, not just this season coming up, but over the next few seasons. Like I I I like if they get back to where they were, like AFC Championship Game Super Bowl, that's an incredible achievement. If you look at what the Ravens have done, the Steelers have done, the Browns have obviously done as well, bringing in Deshaun Watson. It's you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be more difficult for them. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what's gonna happen, but I love the maturity he has. I, I know our first guest here is a big fan of him. If you want me to bring him out, let's bring uh, him on. Do you want to? Do you want me to introduce him, or, or do you want? Or, no, I think it's good that you introduce him because he's a he's a compadre of yours, a countryman of yours, and a guy that is involved in the Irish NFL show with you. He is uh, he is a, a big fan of the Broncos. Uh, he has a firm heart, in it, or he's a firm love in his heart for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Colin Cronin at Colin from Cork. Uh, as I go, as I go away and get some questions from people, tweet Jeff. I'll get them on in the background here. Um, Colin, welcome in. And tell, hey, by the way, tell them if you would tell them, Michael, that they got to put down where they're sending their question from, so that we can read it out. Right? I know we got some good ones. So, all right, let's get yes. right to Colin. Colin, how you doing? Welcome to the show, man. Delighted uh, chat to you, Jeff. Always uh, a pleasure. Hey, you know what? I want to talk about you guys and what you're doing with the Irish NFL show. Because as as people may guess, because I've been a big fan of you guys through the whole development of your show, I, I was driving this morning back from the gym and I was thinking about, you know, what you guys have really accomplished in the short time that you've been on the air. And... It's to me. It's almost eerily similar to what the Around the Podcast guys did with NFL Network. And four guys got together, all NFL fans, all big NFL fans, loved the game, and that passion for the game and knowledge of the game comes through on your broadcast. And your, your I notice your viewership numbers are outstanding. Thank, well, thanks for the, the support, and you've been a great friend of the show. Um, it, I think what, what it is is we're all huge fans of the game. We love the sport. We have done for years. And, I mean, any chance I get to watch games, I watch them. Any chance I get to watch old games, I watch it. And we love stories. We are a nation of storytellers on this little green island. And I think maybe that, that comes across as well. And uh, That's something – there's no – there's no, there's, we're not looking to for a gotcha moment, right? When we, when we're talking to guests, it's about hearing their experiences, funny moments, insights, things like that. We have been very fortunate to get to speak to some people. Um, there's a great community. One of the best things Jeff has been seeing the growth of the community because what you had um, was fans up and down the island of Ireland, but one of the if there was to be an upside to COVID was the online world seeing people come together and you've done it um, with your tribe right you've seen the tribe which is all around the world but we've seen it on the island of Ireland so you have fans in Kerry in Cork Galway Clare up north um, with, with Michael all around and coming together and kind of finding the people who are fans of the same teams that bit of banter obviously as we get uh, into the draft and closer to the season so yeah it's absolutely been a, a wonderful kind of 18 months but i would have to say the interaction with fans on social media and in meetups is the best part of it well i was i was really fortunate to have a little bit of a hand in helping you guys getting credentialed at the super bowl 
And I know uh, that had to be kind of a wet your pants moment for you guys to, to have an opportunity to be in L.A. and be there at, at SoFi and take in everything. Because the Super Bowl is so much more than just the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Getting to ask questions of uh, the likes of Von Miller and, and Sean McVay. I will say for, for me, I, I think everyone's going to have certain moments that stick out. And I think the first time I got to um, talk to Mark Schlereth, Stink, I mean, a guy who has three um, Super Bowl rings, but more than that, just the biggest heart and he's such a, like you, he's such a big supporter of people trying to make their way in the, the business. And he has, Jeff, he has some of the best stories. He has some of the most hilarious stories about his time um, with the, the hogs and boss hog and piglet. Uh, I cannot, uh, that that to me, once once I stop shaking after that, I, I, I think, I, I think whoever, un, unless, Shannon Sharp is probably on Mount Rushmore and obviously Elway and Manning. But outside of that, I, I think uh, once I overcame that, I was, uh, I was good to go. Well, let's talk about your love for the Broncos because I know that's shared by Michael. But again, your love for the Broncos runs deep. And this has been this last, oh, I don't know, I suppose since January when, when they made the decision to move on and, and uh, you know, they, they brought in you know, hack it and things have changed. Things have changed diametrically in Denver. The expectation level in Denver is higher than it's ever been. Uh, some of that's the Russell Wilson factor. Obviously a lot of it's the Russell Wilson factor, but I think what the Broncos finally realized, and this is what's happening. I think Colm, around the league is it's so dicey picking first round quarterbacks that you, you really better off to let's, Find, let the let the you know let the dust settle, and then three years, five years, seven years down the road, pay the money to get an established starter and established winner. They did it with Peyton Manning, and again, I think it's going to happen again. Now, whether they get to the Super Bowl or not, I can't make that call. But I think with Russell Wilson, they've certainly improved their football team. Yeah, and what's interesting, Jeff, is, is certain teams have, have different cultures, right? So the Broncos have never had success drafting quarterbacks. Even they go back to John Elway. We, we acquired John Elway because he, he didn't want to go play uh, for, for the, the Colts. So that was interesting. Whereas if you can compare and contrast with the Chargers, who just seem to you know find these QBs. So it seems to work for the Broncos. There's a lot of excitement given... Um, what Russell Wilson has done in the past and the fact that since uh, Peyton Manning um, rode off into the, the sunset, the the quarterback play has been nothing short of horrific. I mean, you, there, there aren't words for it. Now, I think that it's going to be interesting. I get fans' expectations with Russell Wilson, but I, I think there are a couple of things to put maybe a caveat in, an asterisk, is that Nathaniel Hackett is a first-time head coach. How is how is that going to work? It can work. We have seen it with Stefanski, uh, with the Browns, and Sirianni with the Eagles. But it is it is a question mark. The other thing that I think is people think that just getting a QB makes you um, a Super Bowl contender. 
and they point to the Bucks and Brady and they point to the Ra- the, the Rams last year um, getting Matthew Stafford. But if you look at both of those teams, the Bucks didn't just bring Brady. They brought his good friend, Ralph Gronkowski. They brought Leonard Fournette, a truly brilliant running back, and they drafted incredibly. Tristan Wirfs, you could make an argument Tristan Wirfs is the best right tackle in the game. I'm not saying, you know, there, there are others there, but Tristan Wirfs hasn't played like a rookie. He, he's taken to the league like a duck to water, and Antoine Winfield Jr. has been incredible. The Rams didn't just bring in Stafford. They also brought in Odell Beckham. They also brought in Von Miller, and they picked Picked up Eric Waddell from the off the street last year to bring in a bit of a leadership, and boy, did he play unbelievably in the playoffs and, and that Super Bowl. So, to me, there there's more to it than just the just the QB. The QB is the key component, but there you got it to make a, a stew. There's more than just the the beef. You need the stock, the carrots, the peas, etc. But let's talk about those peas and carrots because you know you look at what they've done. And I think one of the best signings, and this I think this will play out to be true, um, you know, when you put a roster together, and I said this about Jack Crawford yesterday. You know, Jack Crawford played 10 years in the National Football League, had 18 sacks, right? We say, well, how good a player was he? He was a great player because you need guys like Jack Crawford. You need effort guys that do their job, that, that you know, pay the price, that are great pros, that – so that the superstars can be superstars, right? You need that supporting cast. And one of the low-key signings this offseason, and I know he's one of our guys, and I'm, but I think I'm being unbiased when I say this. Alex Singleton, I think, was a tremendous get for the Broncos because he's going to give you, you know, this is a guy that led the National Football League in tackles per play from the linebacker position. Not Darius Leonard, not any of the guys with all with the big name. I'm talking about Alex Singleton. Led the Eagles in, in, in uh, tackles two years in a row. He'll be a great special teams player. He's great in the community. He'll be great in the locker room, right? Now, he will he be overshadowed by Simmons and some of the superstars? Yes, he will. But you got to have those kind of guys, and that's what you're talking about. It's not just Russell. It's putting the whole thing together. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's it's the characters, right? Like like Singleton, who you know is so dependable and he he's gonna be uh setting a, an example for others, right? A guy who, as you said, he leads the the twice over the or the last two seasons he's led the Eagles and then he's led the league. And that sets an example. There's a lot of young players in Denver. It also, by having somebody like them, and, and if you go back to, say, the Broncos, the, the vaunted 2015 defense, the no-fly zone, you had, you know, you, you need guys with a little bit of an edge, like a key to leave, but you also need your guys like Demarcus Ware, who is rock steady, he's your leader. Um, and I think that's where um, having Alex come in alongside another um, probably higher profile signing in, in Gregory, who had his um, you know issues kind of with um, while he was with the Cowboys, seems to have got it together. But how dependable are... Gregory and Bradley Chubb in terms of how how much will they be on the field well you know your ILB should should be there given when you look I mean the the best um, you know predictor of future events is past behavior he's been there he's played he's robust 
So to me, I think, yeah, I would agree with you. I thought I really liked that pickup. Um, I think what you've also seen with the Broncos is it's allowed them to talk about Barrett Browning playing outside linebacker a little bit, kind of using him a little bit like the Cowboys did with Michael Parsons. This is a copycat league. We all know that, right? So teams see what one team did. Um, Vic Fangio, a lot of Vic Fangio's ideas have been borrowed around the league. I think people are going to watch what the Cowboys did with Michael Parsons last year. We'll try and do it. I don't know how successful teams will be because Parsons, I think, is such an, um, a phenomenal player. But I do think you will see a lot of teams do that. And I think maybe that um, by bringing Alex in, it allows the Broncos to free the freedom to move Baron Browning around a little bit. Well, let's go over the other side of the football because we, we, we already established we've got a quarterback who's good enough to win and win at the highest level, right? It's an improving offensive line. They've really invested in the offensive line over time. Now we go outside. And there's still some questions, although there is a ton of talent because Cortland Sutton, you know, second year off of his ACL should be back to the Cortland Sutton that we saw as a young player. And his trajectory was superstardom. Uh, KJ Hamler coming off of his ACL is apparently from everything I can hear in. And I have pretty good ears in Denver. He's ahead of schedule. And then Jerry Judy is a key one to me. His consistency catching the football has got to improve for him to be that guy. To you know, I don't know if he'll be a WR one in Denver, but certainly I think that's going to be Sutton's place. But I think certainly he's got to be more consistent catching the ball than he was last year. Yeah, and I think Judy's a really interesting one, Jeff, because there was so much hype around Judy when he came into the league. You know, I mean, everyone talked about that particular um, draft class of wide receivers, and, and Judy was seen as the best route runner. And the hype videos, my goodness, when he uh, when he started and the legwork and everyone was expecting, it didn't seem to matter who the QB was going to be. So Judy certainly hasn't been helped by the the quarterback in quarterback play in Denver. Um, the, that that's certainly true. But I think um, Jer, Jer, Jerry Judy hasn't helped himself either. I think he he needs to take his game to the next level and i think concentration around ensuring he he catches the ball his sometimes players you know they, they've already made their mind up what they're doing before they go and catch the football and i think that's been an issue for jerry judy well let's let's before i before i let you go all right we've got one position more we got to talk about we lose noah fan at tight end mm -hmm. right who's going to take that role who's going to become that because again for Russell Wilson, he is Russell has always been a guy that did a great job with very, in in my opinion, uh, I won't say average tight ends, in, but certainly no superstar tight ends in Seattle. Who's going to fill that Noah Fant role? Well, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting because the the Broncos obviously went out and they they drafted probably probably the the guy with the. Um, the best hair in the in in the draft class uh, with their with their second pick, um, Greg Dulwich uh, out of UCLA in the in the third round. He is a speedster. Um, so and and what's been interesting about him is he's making the right noises. You never know what players transitioning into the league. We just talked about Judy and, and that, but he's making the right noises about wanting to get involved in blocking. He recognizes that playing as a tight end in the league means you can't just be a pass catcher. 
right? There's so much more to it than that. He's got to improve that side of, of things. You've got Alberto, Alberto Kowebenum coming back off a serious injury. I mean, when you look at the, the injuries the Broncos have had, that's something that has to change this year um, as well. But I think um, the, the mixture of um, Alberto and, and Dulwich, um, and they, they've brought in a kind of a couple of guys in the background who will probably act as more the, the blocking tight ends. But I, I think there, there, there seems to be a lot of, like, Oko Webinum probably almost outperformed Fant at times. Again, I really like Fant. And sometimes you can just end up in the wrong spot and, and things just don't go your way. So it'll be interesting for Noah Fant. But Alberto, um, certainly amongst fans, there was a feeling whenever he was on the field, he could make things happen. He's he's fearless. Now, again, with Dulwich there, and certainly working the with, with Russell Wilson, he he will look. He will also take those shots to Cortland Sutton, um, and that that's what you would expect. I mean, you look what he did with with DK and, and Lockett. So it it is an enormous year for the the Broncos pass catchers right up to now every year and Kyle Brandt in fairness talked about this on Good Morning Football always the Bron- oh the Broncos the Broncos they're going to be the breakout group the breakout group and they never move the needle Jeff and I say that as a die hard Broncos fan there's no excuses now right Russell Wilson is there they've got an offensive minded head coach um, as you said the line outside of right tackle and with Billy Turner there they're going to move to a a different kind of scheme in terms of running the football so Billy Turner should be okay so I think that it it is time for the the Broncos you know much heralded uh, receiving core to to do the the business and that means to do it consistently no one I I don't think most of Broncos country are expecting to go to the the Super Bowl but I think what we would love is competitive football and meaningful football in December and ideally a a playoff berth. Even if that was just one and done in the playoffs, I think we'd take it this year, given that, you know, we currently are setting the record for a team that won the Super Bowl to miss the the playoffs consecutive seasons afterwards. It stands at six now, Jeff. Well, let me tell you something. There's a lot of truth in everything that you said, but I'm going to take exception with one thing. When you said Greg Dulwich had the best hair in the draft, not true because Ollie Hodgkinson, who was our draft expert here on Coffee with Coach, his his head of lettuce is priceless. That might be the best. That might be the best lid in football. Colin, awesome and great takes on your Denver Broncos. Again, give the listeners out there if they want to go hear what you guys have to say on the Irish NFL show. How do they find you? Yeah, so we are active across all the social media platforms. Check us out, Instagram, Twitter. We're even on LinkedIn. Um, You know, we're all business, Jeff. So you can find us, search Irish NFL Show. The other thing is we love interacting with fans. So do get get in touch if you're out there. And, um, you know, it's not, again, just about um, fans in Ireland. We love talking to fans in the UK, across Europe, across the all of the Americas, North or South. So definitely uh, get in touch and uh, we'll raise a a glass of whiskey. (laughs) All right, my man. Thank you so much. Take it easy, Jeff. All right. Great job, Calm. And again, that's what I'm talking about. Fans today, and this this is why we started this show, so that the fans could have a voice and the fans could have a forum. And you can, you can hear you know, the knowledge, the intensity, the passion in Colin's voice. 
you guys do a great job, Mike. I, I, you know, as we wave the flag for football, we wave the flag for football of all levels, of all sides. One of the things, and I meant to say this to Calm, and, and I'm glad that, that I can get it to you and you can uh, share it with the guys. One of the things I think that you guys do that's the coolest is you actually report and keep track of what's going on in amateur football in Ireland, the fixtures each week, who's playing who, all of that, because that helps support and grow the game at the grass level, grassroots level. And I think that's important. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, like it's it's great to see it grow in Ireland. So um, it's just just, just keeping, keeping it plugging away and, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to Colm tonight and stuff. So really appreciate it. And I know, you know, you, know you, you give people a voice on this show and, your next guest is 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 like a true example of that. If you want to introduce them, I'll bring him on. All right, I got to I got to introduce my next guy. And Quentin Jeans is a young guy who um, lives in Medford, Oregon. And Quentin uh, is a young hey, hey. guy that loves football, and um, he started a couple things that I kind of got. I checked him out and I said, this kid knows what he's doing here. So whether it's Gridiron Weekly or USFL Nation, this is Quentin Jeans. Yes, and we're going to talk a little bit about his football journey and also about what's going on in the USFL because he covers the USFL better than anybody in, in that I've come across anyway. So, Quentin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's my pleasure, man. Hey, now I'm going to let you wear that Oregon hat on my show, but I just want you to know that that that's you. Don't tell me you're one of those front runner duck fans. No, I I lived here in Oregon on and off since I was about four years old, um, and obviously that was the popular team out here. And then when I was older to understand football, I kind of you know went with Oregon. Even when I moved back and forth between here and California, that I just stuck with the Oregon Ducks. So. All right, so tell me now, since you have probably watched this guy, maybe even more than me, although I had to watch him on tape. You've seen him live, and you've watched him on tape. Kayvon Thibodeau, what's your take? What are we going to see out of Kayvon Thibodeau in New York? Man, he's going to be explosive. That's that's absolutely for sure. Those They're really good at recruiting guys over to Oregon. Um, they always have top-tier talent. Um, and a lot of times they're slept on because they're, you know, Pac-12 isn't, necessarily the biggest conference or it wasn't for a while um and now that they're putting it on the map uh they're bringing in really good talent and Thibodeau he was he's no ex uh, exception for of that you know um he's going to be explosive he's going to be able to make a lot of plays um I don't think he's going to have a, too much of a struggle from the get-go you know uh Q when when we first talked I, I asked you about your show and uh USFL mm -hmm you know, new nation and, and all the stuff you're doing with that. And it struck me that what you said about your young guy wants to get into journalism, wants to get into sports journalism. And so you mm -hmm. chose the USFL. Why? Um, I knew it was a new league. I knew that there wasn't going to be a lot of people trying to cover the same exact thing or a lot of people to, to compete with. That's And that's, you know, that's the honest part of it. But then I saw that, you know, um, a lot of these plays were interactive. They were liking my posts and messaging me from, you know, day one. Um, Jamar Smith actually was the first person to interact with me um, out, of, out of Birmingham. And, you know, just kind of sent me, was like, well, this is 
might be a, a good place for me to grow. Um, I mean, obviously, I have a journalism background, and um, I'm still currently studying uh, uh, communications over at Southern New Hampshire University. So I, you know, this was just my opportunity to uh, share my love of football and, uh, you know, do what I do what I, I love to do. So. All right, let's dig into the USFL because, like I say, I mean, I love football at every level, from you right. know, Pop Warner all the way to the National Football League. The USFL, which is a, you know, I guess a, its second incarnation, if you will, um, they're mm-hmm. halfway through this, their first season back, and right now Birmingham appears to be the class of the league, four and one at the turn, ten game season. Um, as you've watched it, what's your impression? generally of the talent level in the league um obviously a lot of these guys have professional experience whether that be nfl cfl um arena leagues and then guys who aren't haven't played professionally they played you know high level in college so um obviously there's there was going to be a precedent of having high level guys because they they're playing professional football i mean obviously they're not playing right now at the level of nfl um, which obviously a lot of people make the point of, but these guys are extremely talented. Um, and I think the biggest problem is, I mean, if you look at the NFL, a lot of these guys have been playing in the NFL for years or NFL has been there for a very long time, obviously. Um, and with this new league is essentially what it is. These guys haven't all played together. These guys are trying to, you know, um, make a name for themselves in this new league. Um, and that, 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 obviously raises problems because guys don't really know how to play with each other. And if you don't know how to play as a team, you're not going to really have a lot of success. And that's what we've seen from teams like the Maulers and the Panthers. Um, A lot of uh, individual play is what the problem's been. But again, these guys aren't losing because of lack of talent. Um, They're not underperforming because they're, they're bad. It's because they're trying to learn how to play um, maybe professional football or learn how to play with this new team. So. You know what Q there's a, I'm going to tell you a story about a a guy that I had um, very similar to what you're talking about. Nick Ferguson had played uh, at Morris Brown University, then went to Georgia Tech for his last two years, went as a free agent to to Cincinnati, got cut, went to Canada. I cut him. I took him to NFL Europe. The Bears cut him. The Bills cut him. The Bills put him back on the practice roster. He needed time. He needed to play to get an opportunity Absolutely. and end up playing 11 years in the national football league as a pro bowl alternate with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of guys like that, that I see in the USFL. I look at Josh Banderas, the linebacker from uh, Philadelphia, who I actually coached in the spring league for about four, three weeks till he got hurt. And, you know, Josh, mm-hmm. he's got everything it takes to play in the national football league. He just needs an opportunity, right. he needs to be in a place where he gets a chance to succeed. Because like I said, Nick got cut in Cincinnati, got cut in Chicago, got cut in, in uh, by the Bills, and then finally got a practice roster opportunity and turned that into a career. So I think the league is much better than people think it is. I watched, I've watched the games and I think it's, I've been impressed. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. It's not, and it, what really surprises me and impresses me is these games aren't like one team taking over. Um, I mean, obviously, we've seen a couple games that are like that, but out of the last six weeks of, of games, there, it really hasn't been that way. It's been one to two score games, and that two score was usually a, a, just a field goal. Um, obviously, the problem of kicking has arose. For some reason, kicking has been a big issue, even after changing the footballs for the kickers. Um, but aside from that, it, it 
it's been really impressive play, really good defense all over the place. Um, you know, the offense has been kind of low, except for, you know, a few standouts. Um, but overall, it's it's been really exciting to watch this. And it really is, the, they really are playing at a high level. Um, and I think people are nitpicking than anything and not seeing what the league is as a whole. Hugh, as you look at a league like this, I think it's as you talk about development, obviously more guys can play in the NFL than do play in the NFL. And particularly mm-hmm. very, very difficult to develop young quarterbacks because of the nature of the National Football League. They've taken away one preseason game. Once you get into the regular season, even the backup never gets reps. So your third quarterback is basically right. a scout team guy. He doesn't have the opportunity to play under fire. I think when you look at the USFL, that's a perfect opportunity now for the NFL to develop their young quarterbacks there. Have you seen any quarterbacks in the USFL that you like and think NFL teams ought to take a look at or NFL fans ought to you know, do a little research on? Um, well, obviously, the top quarterback in the league right now, Kyle Sloter out of uh, New Orleans. Um, he's been around a lot of different NFL teams um, in his career. He's had that experience. You know, he's been able to sit behind um, some really, really good quarterbacks. Um, so he's had that experience already of, of you know, how to, how to handle being a professional quarterback. Um, and now he's getting the opportunity to use what he's learned and put it on the field. And obviously he's sitting almost – 500 yards ahead of the next guy in passing yards. So obviously he's, you know, he, he's had his struggles just like any other quarterback, like J.M.R. Smith. He's a very good quarterback, um, but obviously he's played somewhat inconsistent um, and doesn't, you know, he underperforms until the second half. Um, but all these guys, they really are good. They're just, you know, unexperienced when it comes to playing professional football. And even if it's just a league like the USFL or if you're playing in the arena league, if you don't have, enough experience no matter how good you are you're you're gonna underperform it's just it's football so you know you, it's interesting you know I, I look at it i look at cookus the guy at philadelphia who came in for when brian mm-hmm. scott got hurt and right. he's big strong arm kid that made a lot of throws last week against birmingham i thought he mm-hmm. played really well against birmingham and he's a guy that you know the, the kind of guy we're talking about he Played at Northern Arizona, played at a one double A school, and right. has been in camp with the Vikings. He's been around. He's been a, had a few opportunities, but really has never had the opportunity to get a team and run it on the professional level. Mm-hmm. And this is his chance. Mm-hmm. So that I think is the the huge huge benefit of the USFL. I think it's a great league. I hope it continues to go. Fans, you can get USFL games on YouTube YouTube TV. Uh, it is uh, also broadcast nationally in the United States, Saturday and Sunday games. Watch it. It's much better football than you think you're going to see. And again, Q, thank you so much for coming on the show and for waving the flag for the USFL. How can people catch your stuff? How can they get uh, access to what you write, what you, what you say? Um, So I I am on a few different platforms, uh, Twitter being the main one. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as uh, Gridiron Weekly, um, and then for Twitter and Instagram, it's Gridiron underscore weekly. Um, then also you can find me on Twitter as USFL Nation. That's it right there. Make sure you go check out Q every week, hear what's happening in the USFL and Gridiron Weekly for all the up-to-date football news from a young guy that's got a great career in front of him. Q, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me.
All right, man. All right. Thank you. I, I love it, Mike. I love it when we got young guys that are aspiring, excuse me, to to have a career in this business and giving them a platform is kind of like sharing. Let's go to questions. What do we have now, nope. Michael? I've got a few saved up here. First off, uh, thanks to everyone for for interacting with the show tonight and everyone's and nearly 2,000 people on a on a cold uh, Thursday evening or Thursday morning in, in May. Uh, thanks to everyone who's watched. I, I enjoyed that chat there with yourself and Quentin. Really sound analysis from him. And uh, for anyone that's been DMing me over the last two or three weeks, unfortunately, we can't watch the USFL over here yet, but hopefully soon. And um, I you, think... Tell the, them, yeah. go to YouTube TV and get it on YouTube TV. You can do it that way. That's how okay. I do it. Okay, I will, uh, I will alert the masses, Jeff. We have got uh, a couple of ones here. First off, uh, from Rodri Jones, who is in Wales. Uh, Rodri's a very Welsh name, Jeff, yeah. Hi, coach. What did you think of Nick Saban's views in that interview yesterday and his shot at Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher along with Jackson State and Dion? Also, he reviews for the NIL concept in the NCAA. Love the draft coverage and shows here in the Welsh Valley. Uh, thanks, coach. Jeff, that Jimbo Fisher interview this morning was like box office television. Oh, my God. Like, what's going on there? Like, Next season, yeah, I, tell what, I tell you what, it's going to be that game is going to be something when they play October the 8th. Yeah, it is going to be about first of all, those guys don't like each other to start with, right? And now, this whole thing with the NIL, and so that people understand what NIL means, is name, image, and likeness. Hmm. And what has happened was the players, and this is interesting if you know the history of this movement. It was actually players from Northwestern University who's coming over to play Nebraska in Ireland in August. They, a few years ago, banded together and tried to form a players union, college football players union, to get some of the money that is made in college football. I'll, give, mm. I'll tell you a little bit, just so people have a sense of how much money there is. This coming year, the University of Hawaii is going to go to Michigan and play the University of Michigan. Hawaii's guarantee for coming, $1.9 million from the University of Michigan, all right? Hawaii's gonna make $2 million to go play a game at Ann Arbor. That would tell you how much money is involved in college football with the television rights now, the SEC network, the Big 10 network, the Pac-12 network, individual television well the players deserve some of that money because they're the ones they're the program they're the they're the show right? and so and, so many of them don't don't make it in the nfl so they deserve the opportunity now percent make it in the national football league right so the bottom line is they do deserve they do deserve something but the ncaa went about it in a kind of a crazy way they said okay you can sell your rights you can be under contract to let's say joe's plumbing wants to sponsor a player at wherever, Alabama, right? Well, that player basically signs a contract and he does his image and likeness. They can use his image and likeness in advertising or whatever. Well, the thing has gotten completely out of control. So now big money boosters are basically just buying high school kids, right? And agents are now going out and looking for NAI deals, NAI deals, for college players to get them to, 
to say, okay, I got you that deal. Now you sign with me when you go to the national. Fight. I mean, it's crazy. It's going, it's going completely nuts. And this year, Texas A&M, who has some of the richest, wealthiest, most passionate fans in the world, they just went out and bought a, bought the best recruiting class in America. And Saban, you know, pushed back against it. And now there's all kinds of it. And and Dion, who's the head coach of Jackson State, is adamant against it too because it gives him he's had a couple five star recruits at mm. Jackson State, which has never happened before because he's Dion, right? Mm. But when it comes down to it, if you're Mississippi State and you offer a kid a thousand dollars a month, right? And Jackson State offers him a hundred dollars a month. Where do you think the kid's going to go? He's going to go where the money is. M I S S I S S I P P I State. That's it. So it's gotten completely out of control, and the NCAA is going to have to do something to rein it back in. I don't know what that's going to be, but I think this summer, when the NCAA meets, they're going to, you know, there's states that have now tried to start to repeal the thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. It was a great question. Great question, Rodri. But, uh, seriously, check out that J- Jimbo Fisher. If you haven't seen it, folks, the interview is incredible. It's like just a, a 20 minute free for all. Um, it's good off season content. We've got one more question, Jeff. You've got time. Yeah. Now, hey, wait, let me, look, before we go to that, imagine what it's going to be like at the SEC football media days in Birmingham when they all get together in the same room. <laughs> Ooh, popcorn time. Um, there's a question here from Mike in Dublin that says, Jeff, are Leeds getting relegated? And if so, will they come back straight back up? All right, now I'm, I'm tired of taking cheap shots about my wife now. I'm gonna here, you, oh, no, but oh, the, the funny way. thing is, Jeff, since I said that at the start of the show, since I said that, they're actually not doing as bad anymore. They, have a, they now have a chance on Sunday. So they're, all they have to do is win and they have a chance on Sunday. If they don't win, it looks like they're going to be down because... Well, if you give me 10 seconds here now, I'll tell you exactly because there's, there's something happening. All right, right, now, I have to speak. All right just but, so you um, can rub it in. It's it's an interesting time. I, I know you were on TalkSport with the boys a few, a few a few weeks, months ago about this. No, so basically it's going to the last day. It's between it's between Burnley and Leeds. And uh, currently Leeds are going down unless they win. So, who, they, uh, who are we playing? Who are we playing? Leeds are playing Brentford in London and Burnley are playing I don't know. I'll tell you right now. I, I literally don't know, to be honest with you. Like Burnley, yeah, I, I like I, I would I'm prefer not. to see I would prefer to see you boys stay up. But uh, Burnley are playing Newcastle at home. So it I think it'll be a it, it'll be hard to call on, on Sunday. But it's gonna be- you could be waking up to uh, a good day for the for the Leeds boys. I don't know. Uh, the, the, I actually have got another question here. Uh, from Ryan Yu, who is in Utah. Uh, you've been tweeting a lot about Coach Vermeil this week and the last couple of weeks, Jeff. You're saying, hey, Coach, I've enjoyed your post about Coach Vermeil, and I'm looking forward to his induction speech at the Hall of Fame. Did you at some point work with him or know him? Uh, if so, do you have any good stories to share about him? I forgot to make a graphic, Jeff. I apologize. But I've loved the content this week uh, and even last week as well with Coach Vermeil. Well, you know what that comes from? Uh, every year I go back right before training camp and I read the things that he gave us as coaches. He had a coach's manual for every coach and, and in it was basically his philosophy and the things he wanted to do and, you know, the goals for the season and coaching. It, it's, it's priceless and it's really transcends coaching. It's about life in general. Um, so, yes, I did. I had the opportunity to spend a large amount of time with him 
in a couple of really interesting, I'll tell you this story and just kind of how I met him. I was coaching in Philadelphia and he came to the University of Pennsylvania and he did a seminar for us when he had, this was about three years after his burnout incident in, in Philadelphia. He was the first coach to walk away from his career claiming burnout. He had just he'd worked himself to, you know, to mental exhaustion. He came and he, and he did a, did a uh, program for us, a seminar for us. And, you know, I'm young at that time. And, you know, here I am. I'm 60 something right now. My wife thinks I got ADD and hyperactive disorder and all that stuff. But back then I was completely nuts. Right. And so, you know, I think he kind of appreciated the fact that I was too young and dumb to, to be intimidated. Right. So I asked him a billion questions and I, you know, like, so long story short, at the end of the day, he walks over to me and he hands me his business card and he goes, I want to, I want to help you in any way. If I can down the road, just get in touch with me. So we play that season, that off season, I get hired as the head coach at Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana, which is Michael. I'm telling you, it is the absolute bottom of the food chain, the bottom of the food chain. As a matter of fact, and I'm, this is not a lie, when I when I did the introductory press conference, they couldn't find a football because <laughs> the kids had stolen all the footballs. So they had to go to a sporting goods store and get a football. Jesus, so we, Jeff. I do the press conference and about Two weeks later, the president calls me down to his office and he said, we're having a spring fundraising banquet. Do you think you can come up with a speaker for me? And me being young, like I'm 27, eight years old at the time, I go, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll get coached for a meal. He said he'd help me anytime, anytime I ask. Mike, this guy's doing he, he's, he's a spokesperson for Cadillac at this time. He's doing television. <laughs> he's making up. He's making like. $250,000 a speaking engagement, motivational speaking engagement with Cadillac. So, so I go back in my office and I dig around and I find his card and I call him and he's, he has a, he has a ranch outside of Philadelphia. And so I call him and I, I get him on the phone and he goes, coach, this is Jeff Reinbold. Remember you told me that if I ever need anything just to call you, well, I'm calling you. And I said, coach, I'd like you to come out and speak at our, our, spring fundraising banquet here in Montana. And it was kind of like a dead silence on the phone. And I knew Mike that he was, he's a big outdoors guy, loves to hunt and fish and all that stuff. Right. And so we're in Montana. I said, coach, I'll take you on the best trout river you've ever been on in your whole life. Right. <laughs> Mike, I don't got nothing planned. I mean, I got, I, I, so, so he goes, I'll get back to you tomorrow. So he calls me back and I said, before, before you go coach, you can bring Carol too. Right. And so <clears throat> Carol's his wife. So he calls me back the next day and he says, uh, Jeff, I, I, I'll, I'll come out for three days. He said, I said, is Carol going to come with you? And he goes, no, but I'd like to bring a friend who loves to fly fish. And I said, coach, no problem. Right. <laughs> well, now, Mike, I go to the president's office the next day. Right. And I go into his office and I'm all pumped up and, you know, proud of myself. And I go, Hey, you know what? I got Dick for meal to come speak at the speak at the uh, spring fundraiser. And he, he was like, what? I said, yeah. You know, like I'm being cocky now. Right. Like, yeah. And I said, who, who do I book his tickets through? And he goes, tickets. What? He goes, 
I didn't say anything about tickets. I asked who you could get to the fundraiser. So now I can't, I don't have any plane ticket for him, right? And his friend. So I, I, I was lucky because in recruiting, I had spent so, I've been flying so much in recruiting at Penn, at the University of Pennsylvania, that I had like frequent flyer miles on Delta, right? Now, this is, a, this is a guy who's been a head coach in the NFL, been a head coach in, in UCLA, won a Rose Bowl, da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, this guy's a big guy. And I got to call him on the phone, and I got to tell him that he gets, to, he gets to fly coach from Philadelphia to Billings and, <laughs> and use, my, use my frequent flyer number as a way to get his – I mean, it was just like – but Mike, he came in, he spent not three days, he spent an entire week with us. He coached the kids on the field. Um, he talked to the team. We played. We didn't have enough players to play a spring game. We only had like 35 guys, so we invited the alumni to come back to alumni team to come back and play us in the spring game. Michael, they had a they had a keg on the sideline. It was like it was a mess. But but these kids had not won a game the year before, and they they beat the alumni team. Coach coach had talked to them before the game, and you know these kids are from like. Blue Eye, Montana, and, you know, like small high school, seven-man football and all this stuff. So they beat the alumni. And then after the game, Coach Vermeil comes in the locker room, and our kids give him the game ball, right? And like Coach always does, he chokes up and, you know, and but he, he stayed out. And there's a lot more layers to this story. I'll just cut it short at this. He stayed in contact, and I went to see him in St. Louis. He invited me to come to minicamp in St. Louis, and I walked into his office in St. Louis, and you know what was in the corner with all of his Philadelphia Eagle balls? No. And yep, yep. <laughs> and so he's been a really special guy to me for forever, forever. Well, do you still have his business card? No, I don't, as a matter of fact. I wish I did. I wish I did. Because not there, like if – if we brought him on, like it would be fantastic to hear his. We'll get we'll get him on, but I'm I am right now trying to figure a way to get to Canton for his induction speech because I want to see him go into the Hall of Fame because way before he was a Hall of Fame coach, he was a Hall of Fame person mm. and is one of the best people I know. Cowboys, uh, or is it, is it the Jaguars Raiders is the Hall of Fame game this year? Um, yep. Here, we're we're two and a half short months away, Jeff. So and I hope I get, get there. And, and, you know, again, this is everybody says this is the offseason. Michael, there is no offseason. Absolutely not. There's not. Uh, there is no offseason, but uh, it's it's fun, Jeff. I think, like, I think the plan, we're going to brainstorm live right now. The plan, we'll do this again next Thursday. And we'll go the following Tuesday if that suits you. Right. I'm I'm going to Spain for the bank holiday, so uh, we're gonna hang out. I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna try and get the same tan as you have here. I'm gonna. You certainly go. enjoy it because Michael, I'm gonna tell you something. I've been around a lot of hardworking guys in my life, but you bust your ass for this show and for the Irish NFL show. And there's, I know you got great things coming on the horizon. So again, thank you so much for all you give. I appreciate it, man. This, this has been a really, really fun show. It's not even just sitting listening to this. So I appreciate it. I love, love, I love that story. You got to get him on in August, 100%. I, I, I'm oh, going to try oh, to reach out to him. I, as well. I, I, do, I do have one guy that committed 
that will be priceless. I'm telling you, if you don't come in, if you don't listen to the show, when we have Jerry Glanville, the man in black, has committed to come and do the show. If you don't listen to the show, then you're the dumbest person in the world because the guy is absolutely hilarious. You are going to hear NFL stories like you've never heard before. I look forward to it, man. I look forward to it. Uh, any final words? Is, 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 is that us or each other? Just say thank you to everybody out there that listened today and, and listens every week, the tribe. But we love you very much. And, and again, um, keep, uh, keep positive about football. Go see a local game in your neighborhood, whether it's a Pop Warner game or a professional game. It's all good because it's all ball. Good luck to Leeds on Sunday, Jeff. You got it, baby. Mahalo. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>